episode 371, Moon Knight, season one, episode one, The Goldfish Problem. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here with Agent Samantha. Hello. And we are here to talk about Season 1 of Moon Knight. And this has this is an interesting, interesting show, an interesting uh, pilot episode. And I'm I'm excited. Uh, they said that this was going to feel like Iron Man, where it's not really referencing much of anything. And Iron Man didn't reference much of anything because there wasn't anything else to reference yet. <laughs> and I I feel like that's what we got here with with Moon Knight. This is this is kind of refreshing, similar to Morbius, yeah. <laughs> which we released the episode uh, today as we're recording right now. And <laughs> Morbius was refreshing. What was refreshing about Morbius was it's just by itself. It's just doing its own thing. Okay. Yeah. You haven't had a chance to listen to the episode yet, but. Um, no, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, but I have read quite a few, a lot of really bad. I have yet to read one good review about Morbius. <laughs> well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, listeners, I've, if you've already listened to the episode, you know what I'm about to say. The episode is spoiler free. Except for I talk about the post credit stuff after, after a spoiler organ, but I, Morbius is it's it's mediocre and it's cliche, and that's not a bad thing. It's just what it is, and you know it's just kind of nice to go in and see a movie where all you need to know is you're sitting down for the beginning of a story, and it has an end of a story, and then some credits go, and then it has a post credit that like teases what's coming, kind of. But yeah, so that's that's Morbius and similar to Moon Knight, which I do feel like they tonally it's, it's a, they've got this the horror thing going on for both of them. But Moon Knight here, this episode, you don't have to watch anything else in the MCU to yes. enjoy this. I yes. love that about this. And when you, I, you, know, you see trailers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and you realize, oh, you're, you do need to watch WandaVision to, to really get, get what this movie is going to be about. You need to watch No Way Home to really get into what, what Doctor Strange is going to do. But with Moon Knight, you don't need to watch anything except for Moon Knight as of right now. Yes. And oh man, I love the editing style. I I love the direction, though there is a suspicion that one of the characters from Eternals shows up. In, yeah, in a background. I didn't get a chance to look that up because you had mentioned that I might be typing yeah. while we talk now. 
but um it's it's kind of like blink and you miss it it's in the scene where steven wakes up and he's on the bus and he's talking to harrow and he's really confused and it for a second it focuses on the um the background extras and one of them looks like was it fasos from eternals well here's the thing and i even without this, I did have some flashbacks to Eternals because of the British museums. Mm-hmm. It, already, I was kind of thinking, oh, I, w- I wonder if he knows them you know, or something like that. Um, yeah. But it was more of a goofy, haha, it's two museums. But I'm looking for, to see if there's a screenshot of. It's at 30 t- the 32 minute, 31 second mark. And what's interesting is the actor who plays Fastos, it's what Brian Tyree. Yeah, Brian Tyree Henry. He's also in the show Atlanta. He's one of the leads. And what's interesting is while Moon Knight was in Europe filming, so was the Atlanta, because Atlanta season three takes place in Europe. Oh. All right. So, <laughs> he possibly could have just shown up one day. Though, oh, I didn't realize he's from Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's not far from me. So, I see the guy that they're talking about. He's right yeah. there. He's got his goatee. He's looking at, uh-huh. at Steven, like, what's going on, man? Yeah. He's kind of not in focus. He's kind of not. Huh. Well... I mean, I'd already gone there in my mind, but that would be really funny if it's real. I haven't seen any any confirmation of it, though. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I only heard, uh, read about that in the the trivia section of IMDb for this episode. And that was interesting. It may be him. It may not be. Who knows? So chime in, listeners. Yeah. StudioAvery at gmail.com. Let us know. If you think that's him or not, he's out of focus. That's the problem. But yeah. he's out of focus. And while uh, both Sh- Atlanta and Moon Knight were filming about the same time in Europe, they were not necessarily in the same countries. But then again, some of Moon Knight was also filmed in in Atlanta. So I don't know. Well, on a small device. that i was scrubbing through with my uh just to watch uh as we're as we're talking i i could kind of see it he had the same kind of facial hair going on there but Mm -hmm. yeah but also i look at it okay i just found a a still Eh, i don't know that's i don't i don't know yeah okay well again it makes sense because of the the location of of the museum stuff that was in Eternals and, and all that. Uh, but again, yeah. you don't need to have seen Eternals. In fact, Eternals is kind of a standalone thing, but they still reference the snap and the blip and, and the Avengers and everything like that. This does not reference any of that. I'm assuming this is taking place after things we've already seen, like after maybe even No Way Home. But there's no indication of anything. Yeah, it's it's right now it's like the Netflix series. Well, the Netflix series have been confirmed to be prior to the snap. Right. Yeah, they did specifically say it not in the series, but 
They said everything in the Netflix series happened after this or before the snap, even though you saw some of it come out after the snap. But right. I mean, really, the snap only (laughs) there's only one place where the snap really causes troubles and issues for continuity. And that's with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we've talked about that a lot. So (laughs) we well, you know, it's it's but it's clear in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they're in an alternate universe, in my opinion. Well, then again, it's my opinion. Yes, they actually say, I mean, they've jumped universes. Is it set outright that they end up in a universe that they didn't start in? No, they don't say it outright. But that's my reading. That's my takeaway. That's that's me. Yeah. That's me. And I feel like it's very possible that there are alternate universes that are extremely close to the main one. So, I mean... That's not how, I mean, if you watch the Loki series, half the Lokis were, looked the same. And the other half did not, since some of them were even alligators or crocodiles. (laughs) I forget which one. (laughs) So the the multiverse is a little messy right now. And I'm curious to see where it's going to go, you know, but uh, obviously we've got the movie. Hopefully the movie is going to be the thing that says, yeah, we're going to clear everything up. Maybe not fix everything, but at least explain everything so that we can know where they're going, going forward. Yeah. And it it does make a lot of things much easier, especially since we have multiple studios handling all of these productions and, and multiple producers that it is a lot easier to say it's a multiverse. Yeah. To fold everything in. And Stuart, poor thing, he could not be here tonight. He... He did bring us a clip of Feige saying that everything that's Marvel on screen, even the most far-fetched stuff, is part of the MCU. Yeah, basically confirming Netflix is, and yeah, I, Agents of Shield. Yeah, and, and so we'll see how does Agents of Shield fit in that. Well, again, we now it's the MCU multiverse. Or I was corrected on Facebook the other day. When I called it the MCU multiverse, and they were like, you mean the MCM? And I was like, well, (laughs) sure. But that's not what I'm going to call it. (laughs) (laughs) You can go. It's like uh, our our church website is nmc.church. But C in NMC stands for church. So it's basically, you know, it's it's that kind of thing where the the initials – Pin, pin number. number. Yep. Yep. Yeah. MCU multiverse. Sure. I'll, to me, it makes sense. The, the universe and multiverse are two different things. So true. It yeah. works for me. It works for yeah. me anyway. Uh, yeah. So back to the episode <laughs> connection, possibly to Eternals. But do you need to know that that guy was in the Eternals to enjoy the show? No. No. No, you don't. Because he's a blurry character in the background. Right. And, and he this... doesn't speak or interact. So, <laughs> yeah, he kind of looks up. <laughs> that's yeah, that's his uh, his only stage direction. Whoever that guy is, connected or not, it's kind of look up. That's that's yeah. what he was told to do. So, yeah, and, and I like that though. I like that we're in the MCU, but this is a jumping on point. Someone who is not fully in and hasn't seen all the movies can enjoy this, and. The other thing that helps that is it's good. It's so good. I don't know about you, Samantha, 
but to me oh, I enjoyed it. I yeah, I enjoyed this so much. And here's why. Oscar Isaac. Yes. This guy carries the almost the full load. There's a little bit of of stuff being done by other people. I mean, you've got the bad guy. What's the actor's name? Man. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Arthur Harrow. Yeah. You got Ethan yeah. Hawke. He's he's there and he's he's doing some of the lifting. But Oscar Isaac, he carries it all. That's the gamble. You do a show like this where it is all resting on your main character's shoulders and there's hardly any supporting cast to help support. You better get the right guy. And Oscar Isaac can do it. He's the and right you know, guy. This is, this is not his first uh, Marvel character. No, it's no. not. It's not. Because he was, he was uh, Apocalypse. And I think he's done voiceover for uh, an animated character. Yeah. And I mean, obviously he's done Star Wars. I mean, he was in Annihilation, which yeah. is wonderful sci-fi movie. Yeah, and did you know that uh, Welcome to Level 7 has a connection to Oscar Isaac? I did not. What is it? Okay, do you remember our friend Kiki? Yeah, yeah. Um, she, very early in both her career and when he started taking off, was in an HBO special that he starred in. And she had a very small character... She had like one or two lines and she spoke directly to him. And I did ask her about him and she said he's very, very nice. Uh, what is it called? I am looking up. Uh, oh. But it's 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 an HBO special where it's based on a true story about a politician in Yonkers, New York. I am trying to look for it right here. He, uh, you mentioned the voiceover work. He was Spider-Man 19, or 2099 in oh, Across okay. the Spider-Verse. So he was in the post-credit uh, in Into the Spider-Verse, and he will be in Across the Spider-Verse is the name of the second one, uh, which I saw a trailer for that when I saw Morbius. And the trailer for it surprised me because, first of all, I thought it wasn't coming out for a couple more years. It's coming out this year. It's in 2020. And it's also mm -hmm. called Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Oh, yeah. Uh, so right. that was new information to me anyway. And yeah, he's Spider-Man 2099, which is a, a cool character from a pretty, pretty good comic book that they, they did when they, they jumped ahead in time and did a series of comics that had the subtitle 2099. And so you had Hulk 2099, X-Men 2099, Punisher 2099, Doom 2099. Really the only character who was actually from possibly the present day who had lasted to 2099 was Dr. Doom, but they never actually, as far as I was aware, revealed if it really was the original Dr. Doom or just someone who was pretending to be or thought he was the original Dr. Doom. Okay, cool. Okay. So the, sh the series I was talking about on HBO, um, it's called show me a hero. It's based on a true story about Nick, uh, W-A-S-I-C-S-K-O. Wasiko? And, uh, and it was about his battle to try to deal with the issues of public housing in Yonkers. Oh. 
Yeah, and it's a really good series. It's six episodes long, and Kiki shows up in a montage towards the end, um, toward in episode six, uh, when he goes out and he speaks to people, um, which that's not really spoilerish, but. <laughs> But yeah, based Kiki, on a true story so it, yeah spoilers and, are a little bit different but yeah yeah and our buddy kiki she's one of the people that he talks to in that episode and during that montage well there's our six degrees less yeah. than six degrees of separation so. that's like what one or two <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, she's been on our show so and i've i have been talking to her about getting her back on it's just uh I could I could talk to her about Moon Knight. I bet she would love to come on and talk to us about Moon Knight. I mean, why not? Let's just yeah. Let's just get her. She's she was good. She left some really nice voicemail messages yeah. that were thoughtful and funny. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's how you you become a podcast host on Welcome to Level Seven is by sending in yeah. voicemail messages that are thoughtful and funny. So, <laughs> oh, you might be mixing her up with Agent Coco. Oh, I am mixing her up with Agent Coco. Yeah. But Kiki yeah, and Coco. Kiki I, and Coco. I could be forgiven for that, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. They're both funny and thoughtful. I I'm just gonna let's just move on. Yeah. Let's <laughs> Okay. So we're gonna be singing the praises of Oscar Isaac this entire episode, I think. Yeah. Uh he's and just it's he's just fantastic. Yeah, and it's not just because we do have a six degrees connection with him. It, it's, uh, I mean, his acting. Um, you watch him, you know, in that scene where he's trying to give Harrow the scarab, and his arm is acting against him. <laughs> oh man! And he's like, "Oh, I don't know what to do." And the arms, like, um, we're going to be talking about psychological um, uh, problems, but. Of course, uh, with this series, but I was I kept thinking wandering hand syndrome, which is where you have some brain injury that causes one of your hands to do something that's you're not consciously doing. <laughs> um, but that's that's super weird. There's only like a few dozen people who have ever had it. But yeah, that that scene made me laugh a lot. My first note here. You and I independently theorized that episode two was going to be about be episode one again from Mark's POV. Yes, that so is. So let's just that's put our prediction. A pin in that. Yeah, yep. that's our prediction, uh, which makes sense. You know, I I feel like watching this episode, you're wondering, okay, so the whole thing is just him waking up in either in bed, and things have happened. <laughs> between uh, going to bed and waking up or waking up in odd situations that are usually dangerous. Yes. And, and so then there are conversations between him and an alternate identity. Uh, so he is Stephen Grant. The alternate identity is Mark Spector, Mark Spector. Yeah. Mark Spector, which if you don't mind me throwing in some terminology here. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, it's in the promotional materials. It's not a spoiler, but Stephen and Mark are, have dissociative identity disorder, which is also previ previously known as multiple personality disorder. And actually, within the dissociative identity disorder community or DID community, they actually have terminology about how how they the individual slash internal community is structured. So the whole 
community within the single body is called a system. And the individual personalities are called altars. And um, also there are a special, there's a special designation for some altars that are called hosts, which may be the pers- uh, the altar that it presents itself uh, more publicly. That host typically goes by the legal name of the person or the, the physical body. And you can have some altars that are not fully formed, maybe not quite yet. You can have uh, systems that only have two or three altars. You can have systems that have dozens of altars. Um, And sometimes those altars merge into a new altar. It's called integration. So, yeah, there's your glossary of definitions for people with DID. So as we're talking about Mark and and Stephen, then I, I guess we will right. just call them alters. And yeah, and I always have wondered when I watch something like this or read a book like uh, Stephen King's drawing of the three has um, Odetta who has alters and and you have oh what was I just thinking of another another show? Is it Split? Split. That's the which that yeah. one got some bad press. Fantastic acting by James McAvoy. But some bad press, I think, because of just how evil one of the one of the personalities is, and it's just yeah. a. And the other alters, in a way, support that those actions too. But it, anyway, the, that got some bad press, and when it was on Netflix or one of the the streaming services, there was a there was a change dot org petition that went out um, to remove it, and. I mean, change.org, honestly, I don't feel like it does too much for actual change for the thing that they want to have changed. But one thing it does do that I do appreciate is it brings issues to light, you know? And so I I always wonder, and the change.org thing um, caused me to wonder it again, is like when you see this kind of thing in fiction, it's a fictionalized thing, you know, where they are taking something that's real for people and and then turning it on its head for for entertainment and right. and for for drama and so i always wonder like ah oh, do they do they appreciate that you know and yeah so this is yeah. one thing i've been just kind of trying to watch for to see most of the press that i'm seeing for moon knight has been moon knight's great <laughs> it's yeah really well done oscar isaac is amazing uh and he is, yeah. and he is in this. People with DID, one of their biggest issues is that the, the disorder has been stigmatized to be evil, demonic, you know, serial killers. Yeah, that's that's why they had an issue with Split, where the reality is that it's a, it's a, a disorder that is caused by uh, repeated childhood trauma. So in order to stop from having to shift from one altar to another so frequently and have issues and seek more help than they normally would seek from a therapist, they are very much working every second of the day to not bring more chaos into their lives. And so they wouldn't do something like become serial killers or even in reality become assassins or mercenaries like like uh, Mark is. 
So that's one trouble that I can see with this series. But on the other hand, Moon Knight, I mean, you got the character with DID is is posed as the hero. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The other thing that happens, and, and this is across the board, you know, if you tell someone, this is what happened to us anyway, we would tell someone that we're pregnant and then they would start, they would launch into their story of their pregnancy or of their birth. And it's like the most insane thing happened. I, we were getting ready to leave. And then I, I realized this, this is happening right now. So I went to the bathtub and had the baby right that, you know, that kind of, and it's just like the craziest stuff. People that didn't have crazy things don't really tell you the story of the birth. Like, I, I'm not going to bore you by telling you, yeah, we thought we were going to have the baby, uh, but it wasn't happening yet. And so it happened the next day instead. You know, and it's not, <laughs> we're going to tell you the extreme story or marriages too. Like the, the story of my wedding day is we got married and it was nice. And, and my dad performed the ceremony, you know, that I'm not the person who's going to tell you the stories, you know, you're going to hear the crazy stories. You're going to hear the stories. So if, if you're in a room and there's eight people in the room and you're like, I just got engaged and these eight other people are all married. Two of them are going to speak up with their crazy engagement story or their crazy marriage story. It's just, that's just the way it works. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad, but that's why you have like the uh, split personality movie, you know, where it's it's split personality and it's this and it's evil and it's blah, 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 instead of having a, a more realistic, uh, unless it's going to be like to try and educate you, which is a good thing um, of like a DID, uh, a, a more accurate picture of, of DID. And yeah, and that's and, and I don't know much about it. That's that's the thing is I don't know much about it. So as I'm, you know, watching this and, and watching Split and I'm drawn into the drama but then I also know that there are people who aren't just drawn into the drama, but they're they're watching it, having experienced it, or maybe they're staying away from it because they're wondering, well, how are they going to misrepresent this time? Yeah. So, but you also have to remember this is a universe that has Thor, the god of thunder. Oh, and actually, this is not the first. I guess you could say that Hulk is also Hulk and Bruce Banner are, are another DID character. Oh, maybe? they definitely. Definitely yeah. play that up a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, they play it up a lot in the comics. I mean, they've created multiple personalities for the Hulk, where when he hulks out, there's Gray Hulk, there's um, ah. there's uh, there's Intelligent Hulk, there's, you know, there's all these different variations. There's the Immortal Hulk, which is an interesting series. That's a comic series that just finished, 50 issues long, and it's... If you're looking for a comic series, you can sit down and just read it from a, a beginning of a story to an end of a story. The 10 graphic novels in a, uh, of Immortal Hulk, 50 issues, it does that. And it does it really, really well. It's good Ooh. stuff. And it's also horror, though. Like, it's it's a horror comic. And there's body horror. And there's it's it's legit one of the best things in sequential format that I've read. Yeah. So... But I was, uh, uh, but Hulk, on the other hand, you can tell when he switches, because <laughs> he goes from normal person to giant green guy, who's right, right? Just smash, yeah. You know, whereas with people who usually who have DID, you can sometimes you can see the switch, and other times you cannot. There, there's actually like two different 
ways that could possibly happen. Like sometimes uh, alters could switch in for one sentence in a conversation and that's it. And the person they're talking to doesn't even know that. And other times it looks like they sort of like zone out for a moment and then they come back and their posture changes. Uh, they might, oh, what just happened, be a little bit more confused. And and I, I do... I do wonder how much of it is like one of the, the things in training with uh, the disability work that, that we do uh, with at camps in the summer every year is part of the training is if you know a person with autism, that means, you know, a person with autism, mm -hmm. you know, that person, the things you learn from them and the things you learn about them, it may not translate at all to someone else with autism. I'm wondering how much of that is, is true here as well. But. Correct. Yeah. Because there, uh, autism is a huge spectrum, huge. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, they're just somebody who are highly functioning. And the great thing about the highly func functioning thi thing, uh, people are that I've found is that when they're passionate about something, they will learn everything about it and they are experts in that field no doubt um and then you have some people with autism who uh they need to, to live in um assisted living facilities and they can't drive cars and they can't hold jobs so easily or rather they may find a job it's just really hard to find a, a position where somebody's willing to hire them well and and then you take that broader and you've, you've got a situation of, you know, this just the spectrum of humanity, you know, where you, yeah, everyone yeah. is, is unique and different. And I, I, yeah, yeah. I want to be careful not to get on my soapbox but invaluable, you know, like there's, yeah. there's a value to everyone. And so anyway, um, let's get back yeah. to, to moon night here yeah. and, and let's, let's talk about the, um, <laughs> just the crazy, uh, I don't want to say crazy too much because that when I say no. crazy, I mean, there's, there's just so much awesome stuff going on here. Um, we start out with Ethan Hawke. Uh, this is where my notes would start. It's the shoes, putting glass in yeah. the shoes. Oh my goodness. And of course you're watching this. You don't know that it's him. You yeah. don't know who this is. And it could be, I, I was thinking that we were actually watching Isaac, uh, Oscar Isaac, putting on these shoes. He walks away with a cane and, and then we move into the actual episode. I read an interview with, with Ethan Hawke where he was talking about this scene and he was like, I want to find something that introduces the villain in a way like a comic book introduces a villain where, you know, it's like you'll be reading and all of a sudden it's like these mysterious panels and then you turn the page and it's a splash page and you can kind of see what he's talking about. You don't see his yeah. face here, but it is like this big, it's all these close-ups and, and movements and then a pan into a wide shot of him walking away. And that's, that's our villain. Great start. Great start. It's, it's confusing. It's interesting. And there we go. We're yeah. starting. Then we go into the Marvel flip. And yeah. <laughs> And we're, we're ready for the, the show to start. Did you know that, and this, if we had the budget for it, this is when I would cue any Linux's walking on broken glass. Did you know that walking on broken glass is a, in some parts of the world, a meditative practice? 
I did not, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, knowing things about like the bed of nails and walking on coals and different things like that. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember uh, if which scene it is in, but I could could have sworn that I could hear the crunch of the glass as he was walking around, like very subtly. <laughs> and or it could have just been the cane tapping. I don't know, but. Yeah. But uh, but I I thought but there's no blood. That sh- there's no blood. But I thought, or maybe he's just that heavily scarred on the bottom of his, of his feet now. Oh, that could be. That could be. How, who long? How long has he been doing this? We don't know. Yeah, but I thought that this is a really interesting scene because it also shows that he is wholly. There's no one else around when he does this, so he is wholly devout to his beliefs. Yeah, that's him doing it for himself, not for yeah. anyone. Any kind of. It's not for uh, show. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, then we move to Oscar Isaac. We move to Stephen Grant. Uh, he is living his life and he has different things set up to help deal with what he calls his sleeping disorder. He doesn't know it's more than that. Uh, he's got tape on the door that he's checking. He's got sand on the floor that he will leave sim- uh, footprints in. He has attached a chain with a, a shackle or Something, I don't know if shackle is the right word, but to his ankle so that he's not going to leave his flat without getting, you know, tripping. And, and he, so he thinks he can't sleep well because it's a sleeping disorder. And so yeah. then he does all these things. It, it Again, it's brilliant filmmaking here where you have the interesting stuff happening. You're discovering things as he goes along. Um, the only thing that... The only complaint I might have is that sometimes he feels like a caricature, you know, of of the the lovable loser. You know, he's wearing pants that are, you know, we used to call them what uh, puddle waders or whatever. Like he's wearing pants that are up above his ankles, a little bit short for him. His hair is kind of wild. He, yeah, he's he's got the fish with only one fin. And I thought that was adorable. It is I adorable, mean, but that's the problem of the episode <laughs> is that because it shows up with two fins later on. And that's why I say with the next episode, we're going to get Mark Spector's point of view because we're going to see what happened to that fish. You know, how did how did Mark Spector accidentally kill this fish and then go and pull the like parent thing where he's trying to slip it by? You know, and, and and slide it by to say, okay, the fish died, but it doesn't matter because all goldfish are alike, right? Well, no, because this one's Nemo. So, yeah. I thought the uh, the smarter thing to do would just would just be leave the fish there, and then let Stephen find it. And then Stephen thinks it was his fault. Something lo- to do with his sleeping disorder yeah. that he slept through a day or something. But it wouldn't confuse him having a fish with two full fins. Yeah, if he had just had a regular fish, it wouldn't have been a problem. But On the other hand, Mark could have been thinking, oh, I don't want to upset Steven. <laughs> I don't know. So, I, don't I don't know. know. I, I don't know how much Mark cares about Steven other than Steven, you know, runs most of their life. But... Mark gets involved in in Stephen's life. Mark, I think, is even maybe going to the job because Mark set up a date. I mean, or we think that was Mark. Well, I'm assuming it was Mark. Yeah, 
because Steven certainly doesn't remember setting up the date. Right. So I, I don't know who set that up, but it's it wasn't Steven because one, he couldn't remember that he had set up set up the date, and two, he's vegan. Right. And so he would not recommend a really great steakhouse or a steak nope. restaurant. Nope. No, or maybe he would recommend it, but he's like, what do I order there? <laughs> I can't remember who it was. If it was Donna, maybe who said, well, uh, you just get a salad. Bread <laughs> salad. Yeah. But that's the other major character in this episode is Donna, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not, Not a, a fan. fan of hers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and she... I think it's because she's tired of handling Stephen being un- unpredictable. Which is another hint. Yeah, that's that's the thing. She may she may not be a good person, but she's dealing with a not great coworker. <laughs> and, right. And and they've I don't know how much he you know misses work or whatever. Uh, I don't know, but you know she's she's not not happy to have to put up with him, and he's not happy to have to put up with her. And yeah. they don't handle it well. She doesn't handle it well, for sure. Nope. So, but he has a job at the gift shop, which is nice. It's at the museum, which is nice. There's all the Egyptian stuff, which he knows about, which is good. There's the poster that has supposed to have the nine gods instead of the seven gods. Um, although I feel like he's being a little nitpicky there because you don't necessarily have all the space to put all nine on there, you know, like that could have been an artistic choice to just choose seven of the nine and, and seven of nine. There's our Star Trek reference. (laughs) Um, And, and to not do every single one, you know, like you might have something to, you know, promote something about the Greek gods. You're not going to have all of them. You're just going to choose the popular ones. And so I, I can understand what he's saying, but at the same time, it's not really his place, you know. So. I thought that was an artistic choice yeah, from makes... the from the filmmakers because we know uh, the Ennead. If it was a physical place, we know that two of them are not there because we see. Oh. So it's a story. It's a story point. It's a story point, or it's a story metaphor because we see yeah. Khonshu, and then they talk about Amit being exiled. And yeah. if those are the two Egyptian gods that we're dealing with, then they're not in the Ennead if it is a physical place. So I thought that was a, a very interesting artistic choice by the showrunners or could be. whoever could came be. up with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another supporting castmate is the uh, golden statue guy. Ooh. <laughs> Which at first oh, I thought yeah. was a statue. I'm like, why is he talking to a statue? And why is he tipping the statue? Why is he telling people to tip? And is he trying to like get their tips? And then I realized, no, no, no. This is a street performer. The tip is for this the gold guy. The food is actually for this guy when he's going to pack up and go home. But, you know, Stephen brought him some food. And yeah. So, again, he's that lovable loser. He's Things are not going right for him. He's, he can't sleep. He doesn't, you know, like his job. But we like him, uh, he, and he's just this this nice guy who's just trying to get by and trying to live his life. Yeah, and there's Doesn't actually need to be attacked by j- magical jackals. 
And if you think about it, there's an interesting history with golden statues and Egypt. And if you're in the Judeo-Christian Islamic pantheon, you do know well about the uh, golden calf metaphor. Uh, or, or or statue from the story the, of the... The Israelites, yeah. The Israelites, yeah. And uh, that is connected to Egypt because Egypt also had golden statues. Well, the whole point of that was they're talking about like, okay, Moses is gone. He's our leader. He's up talking to God. But what are we going to do right now here? Right. And it's kind of this metaphorical turning back and looking at where they were coming from. And then they also have a literal, like, we should go back. <laughs> we were better right. off there. And so you have like these, they're turning away from following God and following Moses's lead. So speaking of mountaintops, like Moses going on the mountain, ah, we, uh, we wake up on the mountain with Oscar Isaac and he's not sure what's going on and he's in charge. And this is where we hear Conchu's voice where he's talking about the idiots in control. And this is where my mind goes to Venom. Uh, the way <laughs> they do the vocal effects remind me of, of Venom and remind yeah. me of, of the voice of Venom within. And yeah, he's not happy <laughs> that things aren't going the way they're supposed to. And yeah. And so this is where this is the dangerous situation. He wakes up in the dangerous situation where people are shooting at him. People want the scarab that he has. And that's the scene you were talking about where he's like, I can't give it to you. I want to give it to you, but I can't. Of uh, lots of mirror tr mirrors, reflective surfaces and triplicates. That's that, another note that I have. Has that happened yet with the. Uh... Lots of mirrors and reflective surfaces. Yes. Okay. And I think when he wakes up from the sequence where he's in Europe, he suddenly wakes up and there's something that's like refracting the image where it looks like you can see three individuals or sort of three images of Stephen. You know, what's interesting as you're talking about mirrors and, and windows and stuff, uh, those are all glass based and you have uh, Ethan Hawke breaking glass and putting it in his in his shoes but he's breaking a reflective surface yeah and what is glass but it's sand melted down too so he's he's trying to figure out what's going on why is he there it's creepy you got all the people who are just kind of walking around slowly following this guy this is where you have him judge the first time right he rolls up his sleeves he has a tattoo of scales uh he has a cane that he puts in the person's hand and that swings back and forth. And the scales are a superpower. They're a, a magical thing. And depending on which way they land, they judge the person that is there. And it's either a good thing or they're going to die. <laughs> they're just going to die. And, the implication is that this also can judge things, not necessarily that you've done, but things you are going to do. So it's minority report. Yeah. So fundamentally I have issues with that concept, but with future I mean, crime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With that kind of future crime sort of, you know, issues. Um, 
However, I mean, this is also going back to, or sort of going back to um, Loki and the TVA. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, all those variants didn't have any choice in continuing their existence because of stuff they might do later or stuff that they did do that was that took them off the, the, the designated path of their existence. Well, and that's a storytelling thing. Like that's the, the magical looking into the future. That's, that's fiction, you know? And so (laughs) we can afford to have future crime in fiction. Yeah. In real life, that's where it gets really, and, and, Fortunately or unfortunately, it tends to be uh, uh, interpersonal interactions that are thinking forward as to what is this person going to do. I will judge this person based on what I know about them, but I'm also judging them based on what I think that they're going to do because of what they've done before. And um, you know, how much do you give them the benefit of the doubt? How much do you not? Well, I just say I do feel really uncomfortable killing someone because they might do something evil later on in life. Yeah. I mean, if you're running a cult like this, I wouldn't the more, the, the better thing be to uh, try and rehabilitate the person before they do the evil thing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, that depends if you're also trying to build up an army. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Which... What, what is that? What are they doing here? Well, there's a lot of people who are, have joined him, have joined uh, Ethan Hawk and yeah. Yeah. And if you see all of his, I mean, he has an army. He has soldiers. Mm-hmm. And when he judges those two peoples, the one person he he spares is the young man. And the pers- the other person who he condemns is the elderly woman who would not be uh, very functional in an army. Yeah, it is an interesting take because he's, you know, she doesn't have much more time left, but she's going right. to do something really bad, you know. So this the scene after all of the judgment stuff happens is the, the fight scene and the, the car chase scene. And we don't see a lot of it. So like the big fight scene that happens, we miss, he gives up control. He wakes up, he's got, there's people laying around and he's, he's bloodied and we don't get to see the fight. Like that's one way to really save on a stunt budget is just have your character black out and then wake up and, and then he goes on the car chase where he steals the uh, ice cream truck with, okay, the key happens to be there. I can, I can accept that, you know, the person making the delivery doesn't necessarily want to take the keys with them because it's a hassle or something like that. And but, it's, it's, it's a small town in Europe too. Right. And also yeah. everyone there is a you know part of a cult. So yeah. like they're all, I don't know if the ice cream guy is, but uh, everyone else is. So, yeah. And my husband commented on that car chase scene, and he's like, "This is impossible because you're you're maneuvering this giant box truck down a windy switchback sort of road off a mountain where you really can't go more than twenty miles an hour." And in the middle of this scene, somehow the truck was t- turned into reverse. Yeah, we don't get to see <laughs> how it happened because he's out, and yeah. it all happens. <laughs> He's uh, so he he blacks out and wakes up and has a gun in his hand and people are dead and cars are <laughs> getting destroyed and then it happens again and he wakes up and he's going backwards 
And <laughs> so I, I honestly, though, I think that it would be fun to see this, all of this stuff happening from Mark Spector's perspective, where he wakes up and he has to figure out what's, what's happening here. Like it's, uh, okay. So now he's gotten himself into this part of the situation and I'll get him out and then, oh shoot. And then, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's cool. I do like the, you have the logger, uh, truck that, that flips over up above on one of the roads as they're going down and it's uh checkoffs logger truck because the <laughs> logs come tumbling down, but these are people who are dying pretty awful deaths. Yeah. And you know, one guy falls out of the back of the truck and, and gets, gets run over. And there, there is the, the funny moment where he, the windshield is gone. He's got the gun and he's driving backwards and he <laughs> throws the gun at the car. Uh, <laughs> Superman bad guy style. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly where it went. Was the uh, the 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 black and white Superman mm-hmm. <laughs> television series where you know you shoot you you shoot Superman and the bullets ricochet off of him and then you throw the gun and he ducks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, there's something about that gun that could pause you know pose him actual harm. You know why he ducked? It's it's because George Reeves isn't Superman. Right. Yeah. They're throwing an actual like prop at him. So yeah, yeah. And my husband. I mean, it was really that that logger truck that he was like, "Oh, come on, really?" And I'm like, "Wait for it," because I had seen the episode before he did, and yeah. <laughs> But he did not like that scene at all. And there are also some places where you could see the seams of the green screen in CGI. So I wasn't really thrilled with the CGI work on that scene. But overall, I love the way it was edited. I Actually, I love the way that this entire episode's edited so far. Yeah. It's really yeah. strong. So we still have for us the mystery of who, what's going on. And we know because we know the concept, but... He he discovers in his house a phone. He discovers a key to a safe deposit kind of a thing. And he's it's in a secret compartment in his own home. Like mm-hmm. it's it's there. Did you notice that the the wall where he finds the loose board, it kind of resembled the the wrappings of a mummy? I did not, but you're the right. The coloring? Yeah. 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 So this is where he starts like investigating and trying to figure things out, find out what's going on. He's, you know, he thinks someone is, you know, he becomes paranoid as someone trying to like trick him or or what's going on. His, this is the mirror images now aren't exact mirror images sometimes because he's seeing something else and he's hearing the voices and it's, it's not fun for him, but it is great fun for us. Because he's doing such a phenomenal job of being this lovable loser who's losing his mind in fear. Yeah. Oh, the scene at the at the steak restaurant. That's another scene that my husband didn't like because but I think it really speaks well to this vegan character. Because he he's like, What's your most expensive cut? And they said the center cut uh filet. <laughs> which is um my husband in a previous job was a meat cutter in a grocery store. So he knows a lot about meats and steaks and such and how to cook them. And 
he's like, okay, great. Yeah, he did order the the most expensive cut. However, well done is not the best way to cook that either because it's sort of like slightly over baking your bread where it's a little too brown. I mean, it's mm. edible, but it's not as good. And he, he also told me that cooking it blue, which is where it's like, you know, you, you barely cooked it for like a minute or two. And it's still very juicy and very red. He said that's not optimal either because it's undercooked and you're likely to get sick. But that's besides the point. But I think it, yeah, him being a vegan and saying well done is <laughs> not knowing how to cook it. It's, um, yeah, that speaks to the character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's now feeling like everything's being, his life's been tur flipped, turned upside down. And he's... <laughs> uh, it, the, what's what's the phone thing? Who is this Layla person? As he goes to work, he feels like he's being followed. And then he gets to work and it turns out he wasn't followed to work, but Ethan Hawke is there. And Ethan Hawke is going to judge him. And Ethan Hawke can't judge him because the scales don't don't work right. Because there's something maybe magical going on. And he sees Kanchu every once in a while. And and things are just going really badly for, for Steven. He, he's just, it's just not great. Uh, we do find out that Ethan Hawke serves, is it Am, Am, Amnit? Am, Emmet. Emmet, uh, which is an Egyptian deity that has you know, given him his power. And as he tries to get away, he sees all these other people who have the tattoos on their, <laughs> their forearms. Ethan Hawke is connected. And I don't know if these are the people who are part of his army or not. But Harrow says that he's the avatar of Emmet. And then, of course, Stephen goes immediately into either the James Cameron movie or Avatar: The Last <laughs> Airbender. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's absolutely confused. Poor thing. Well, and that's another refreshing thing here. There's nothing. There's no one saying like, "Wow, you know, you, you think that this is actually pretty wild and crazy stuff." Well, you know, but what's what about the, you know, the green guy? You know, <laughs> nothing surprises me when you got Thor walking around or, or, or vision, you know, like there's, there's none of that stuff going on here. Maybe there should, maybe there should, but it, you don't need it necessarily. And they're able to create a world for Steven. That's good enough. You yeah. know, we, we've got a good, good story going on here. And you're right. Poor guy. I, you do kind of just feel that the whole time. <laughs> This is awful. Uh, he's because he ends up being attacked by a, a magical jackal creature. And oh, that was scary. Yeah. And that's where Mark Spector says, give me control. Yeah. Give me control. <laughs> Come with in me if you want to live. In the bathroom. In the bathroom that's only sinks. There's no urinals. There's no stalls. It, uh, sinks and mirrors. <laughs> sinks let's, and mirrors. Yeah. Let's. Let's be fair. Oh, that's right. There's lots that's of right. mirrors. Lots because, of mirrors. Uh, stylistically, we've got a lot going on there. Yes. And uh, when the sinks break, there's water everywhere, more reflective surface. Yeah. Yeah. And when Mark Spector beats that thing up, it's pretty awful. <laughs> like, I almost feel bad for the the magical jackal monster. Unfortunately for him, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Oh, well. So 
Yeah. Do you have any other notes then? Because we've kind of gone through the whole plot, but do you have any other notes about the thing? I've got one thing that I want us to do that's going to be a new segment. New segment here on Welcome to Level 7. Oh, the mother that he keeps calling. I'm wondering if this is another personality. Or, I'm sorry, another alter. Hmm. I mean, it could be. I'm wondering if it's tied in somehow to, like, the just creating the story for him. Because we right. never hear her. No. Like, there, and he even, he even mentions that he hasn't heard from her in a while. I, I Well, but he talks to her on the phone a couple times in this episode. Or does he leave messages for her? He just left phone messages. Okay, yeah. So I'm wondering, who is he actually calling? You know, does he maybe on sub- some subconscious level calling an alternate who has another phone? I don't know. Th- that would be interesting if he was, if this mother figure was an alternate personality. I'd love to for that to happen. That would be really, really trippy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go with that. But there's definitely something something going on there. Yes. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about. And and that is going to be our, our new segment. We haven't done segments in a long time on Welcome to Level 7. We used to do them all the time. We had the field report and the shield report and the... Yeah. And the meal report or whatever. <laughs> but this, this is something new. This is, this is something that, uh, it just allows me to get into one of my, my, my loves in, in media. And so now it's time for the comic book corner sponsored by the comic book time machine, because Ben has another podcast. So why not just tie them together a little bit like this? The Comic Book Time Machine is my comic book podcast, and so this segment is is sponsored by that. Am I paying anything to sponsor this segment? No, I'm not. Am I getting paid by Comic Book Time Machine to do this segment? No, no, I'm not getting paid to do this. <laughs> We're just doing this for the love of it. But if anyone does want to do a segment on the podcast, want to pay us, uh, we'd be willing to listen. <laughs> or, or you just... are producing it, though, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, you could just join our Patreon patrons and and get this episode without any editing like four days ahead of time so there's there's that but the reason why i want to do comic book corner it's actually maybe you should even call it the the qr code comic book corner (laughs) sponsored by the comic book time machine and that's because there is a qr code that appeared in this episode that actually opened up a comic book it's a free digital download maybe not download um, because it does tie into the marvel unlimited they want you to Read the comic and then subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. You get a free trial, or not a free trial, a uh, cheap trial for the first month. Um, but the the digital comic that this QR code from episode one gives you is Werewolf by Night, number 32. From 1975. Why Werewolf by Night? Because Werewolf by Night is where Moon Knight first appeared. And this is the issue where Moon Knight first appears. I read the comic, Samantha. I read mm-hmm. the comic, and it, it is it's a first appearance of this kind of anti-hero, Mark Spector. He it gets hired by something called the committee to go and capture Jack Russell. Now, Jack Russell is a werewolf by night. Oh. Yeah. 
or, or rather, Aru. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I've always hated the name Jack Russell. <laughs> Being, yeah, I'm aware. Uh, of oh Jack wait, Russell. oh wait, Jack Russell Terrier. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's bad. Uh, Jack Russell's name aside, Werewolf by Night is a fantastic. Uh, we've talked about this uh, because we talked about the one shot Werewolf by Night show for Disney Plus that might be coming out in October for Halloween being directed by uh Michael I'm going to say his last name wrong but Michael Gaitino the music guy the guy who does uh soundtracks and scores for lots and lots of different movies especially JJ Abrams movies but he also did Speed Racer and The Incredibles and he is directing apparently this this Werewolf by Night thing for oh. Disney Plus. And yeah, so that's oh, yeah. the tie. I forgot that he was a a, a school musical score guy. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Werewolf by Night, though, as a series, is an incredible, incredible horror comic series from the 70s. You had a bunch of them happening kind of at the same time where the comic book code kind of lifted a little bit and they were able to do some different things. Morbius, the living vampire, came out of that uh, time period as well. You had the Tomb of Dracula, which was an amazing series. And uh, the Monster of Frankenstein, which was a pretty good one. And yeah, they also did a mummy series, uh, the living mummy, and they did a uh, vampire, not a vampire, a zombie um, series. And they did uh, this where man thing came out of that 70s horror Marvel stuff. But yeah, so Werewolf by Night, number 32, free scanning that QR code. That's kind of cool. And that has been qr code comic corner sponsored by the comic book time machine go listen now if you like comic books comic book time machine.com <laughs> next time i'll have a sounder and everything i think okay <laughs> oh maybe i'll i'll put in i don't know some some like do you want me to put in the sounder for the no prize no, 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 because there's a voiceover with that. Um, Don't do a sounder. Like a... I'll, I'll have a sounder for next episode. We're, we're good. Okay. We're good. Okay. But I was just thinking that I kind of feel bad for Universal Studios now because they were trying to where Disney and Marvel are working together. Uh, Warner Brothers has a contract with DC Comics and Universal tried to, to start up their own franchise like large overarching franchise with classic horror characters like mummies and Frankenstein and werewolves and, and vampires and such. And it did not get off the ground. No, no, There's it still, did not. Yeah, it did not. It, it, it landed flat for, I think they did two films and since then they've been like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. And to their credit, they tried, but at the same time, yeah. you know what? Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. You know, and and the whole creating a a comic book or not a comic book, an MCU, like everyone trying to mimic the MCU, it's not going to work all the time. But also the MCU took its time. They had a plan. They took their time and they did it. Yeah. And Universal, they were just trying to copy that instead of coming out of the gate with good movies. Now I haven't seen Tom Cruise's the mummy, which was supposed to be one of those launching points, but 
I heard a review about, I heard one review on that and it was not good because, well, yeah, I mean, you did have a story and then at some point it stops for about 20 minutes stop uh, with the plot and it's just a pitch for the rest of whatever this universe is supposed to be. And it's, it, it did not go over well. This is what I'm saying about Morbius being refreshing, you know, like they're trying to build up into that Sony verse or whatever and do like the Sinister Six. But the movie itself is standalone. You don't need to have seen 15 other movies to enjoy Morbius. Now, you've already seen Morbius 15 other times when you watched other movies <laughs> because it's kind of just following the, that cliche of the, the thing. But yeah, yeah. at any rate. But Here we yeah, are. I, I feel bad for Universal because basically these are the same characters that Universal was trying to start this franchise with. I mean, you're saying you got a mummy here. We're going to yeah, have Werewolf yeah. by Night. Uh, Morbius is a vampire-like character. But they are. But, they also had Dracula. So like Tomb of Dracula, yeah. which lasted uh, you know over a hundred issues. Like there was some really good stuff going on there. But you were absolutely right. In the '70s, they were absolutely taking a look at the classic Universal monsters pulling from them and and more you know so you also had this where brother voodoo came from and different things like that so yeah 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 uh what other notes do you have about moon knight that we did not cover uh that was it all right all right very good well i think that that's that's our episode then i mean we what can i say Uh, let's see uh what uh how many how many crescent moons out of five would you give this episode? Oh, <laughs> um, I would give it a solid four and a half. Well, <laughs> solid four and a half. Yeah, it's a solid four and a half. If it's four and a half, it's it's that's a solid thing. I was going to give it four yeah. and a half as well. Like this is one of the strongest pilots that Marvel has done with the MCU. Uh, I don't know. I would. I don't know if I would call it the strongest pilot, but it's definitely one of. The strongest pilots. It's, it's right up there with strong. Shield and Daredevil for me. Um, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Can't wait to see where it's going. So, any other final words before we we shut this down? My husband's uh, the first words that came out of his his mouth when he finished this episode was the first thought I had when I finished the episode because we watched it separately. But he said, "You know, why can't this be like a two hour movie? I want to see like the whole thing. Why do we have to wait like a whole week before the next episode drops?" And I'm like, "Because it brings us back to the platform to to the Disney Plus platform." Uh, so. Yeah, I, I think it's just that frustration of I want to see more is a really great sign that this is a, a great pilot. And also, I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, of course. Jeffrey, Tazzle, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, Andrew, Julie, and Dave. Thank you very much. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening, everyone. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you uh, sending us messages on social media, some of the emails we've gotten at the studioavery at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can leave voicemails and we play the voicemails, but we would love to hear what you think about Moon Knight. We'd love to hear what you think about uh, what we think about Moon Knight, and we'd love to hear some of your theories as well. So our next episode will be about Moon Knight episode two. And until next time, laters, gators.
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail by calling one 5 level 7 That's one 553 8357 Or send us an email to studioavery at gmail.com. You can also go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there. Or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7. The 7 is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Welcome to Level 7, the 7 is spelled out, and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and Godspeed. Hey, Ben. Yeah? Have you seen Hamilton yet? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Have you finished Encanto yet? No. I really recommend it. Encanto's a lot shorter than Hamilton. I know, I know. We've uh, talked about this. We have. Yeah. The ending is worth it. And I want to. It's not that I don't want to. It's just I'm not excited to jump back in, so. Okay. Yeah. Also, I just remembered, uh, we have had a little bit of feedback, and I don't have it in front of me. Tazzle reached out to Stuart. And, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you might want to go back in the feed, but it was really, the feedback was really about Hawkeye. And I did remember that I mentioned in a previous episode that Elena's snap was the first time we had seen it and i was wrong and tazzle brought up no we had seen it before in wandavision with monica and i went back and i watched that episode and we don't see the full snap because from monica's point of view she goes to sleep and then she wakes up and something weird has happened and it's five years later but elena was awake through the whole thing and she was conscious and we saw the past fade out and the present fade in. So we did get a full first-person POV of what it's like to be snapped. So maybe that's what I was thinking of. I think what you got there is a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Yep. Yep. You're both right. But Taza was right. It was not the first time we've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Don't let me forget, because we did get some feedback on our website. Oh. But I have to dig in to get it. So try and help me remember to to dig that up before our next episode. So. Well, I have a page open for in my notebook where I keep my notes. Feedback. And I will write on the next page, big letters, boxed arrows so we won't forget it yeah 
Yeah. Okay. And I have to I have to dig in to get to where because this was website comments, not just on the blog, but it was actually on the on one of the plugins. And it's really hard for me to to dig in and get that. And so I, I always forget about that. But there was some pretty good feedback that was left there that I found when I was doing some website tinkering. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. All right.